0: Okay, welcome back to the Unregulated Podcast. This is episode number thirteen,
1: lucky thirteen.
0: We are here at on Tuesday, December first. And um, did you have a good Thanksgiving? I did. I had yeah? some
1: family in, and from New York, and you know, we broke lots of rules, and it was good.
0: Did you? What was your? Uh, what was your total house number? That
1: oh, you we only had a, in at? we only had about ten.
0: Ooh, I think that's, that's in slow. Maryland. Ten was the cat.
1: That's low. I, my in laws are. But they they played a very weak Thanksgiving game. That's all I'm going to say.
0: <laughs> so we went to my um, sister-in-law's house in Vienna, Virginia. Crossing the river. We crossed the river. Joining and we America. Had, we had 11, so we would have been
1: uh, shut down
0: if we had it at our house. So were they shutting
1: people down in Maryland or was this just like the girls getting no? No, I think
0: that was the cap.
1: I think you were allowed
0: ten. And w- and uh, if you got twelve, what'd they do? Um I, they send a, a force, a unit after you, and likely um do nothing yeah. at that point.
1: I, I was gonna but, say I I'm I very rarely recommend civil disobedience, but on this I'm going to recommend civil disobedience is probably the healthiest way to approach this thing.
0: Speaking of civil disobedience, there were some there are some acts popping up here and there. I don't know if you saw it in Buffalo. I did see that where the guys basically were rude enough to insist on a warrant. They said stand down, sir. And they end up leaving the health the health inspector did did end up leaving the premises. So I'm not sure quite when all this is gonna end. Uh we were chatting earlier before we came in live, sometime after the electors are sworn. So perhaps I... you you're already seeing the, the call for kids to go to school. Yeah. Which has been a turn, even yeah. even Prince Fauci has called for that now. Yeah.
1: So I saw that. Well, this you know, to my mind, and um, right, I wrote a column on this yesterday. The um, the Supreme Court on Wednesday night, late Wednesday night, right on you know Thanksgiving Eve, basically blew up the state of New York's um, curfew on religious uh, gatherings. Right? They said, hey, that that's way out of bounds of the First Amendment. And to my mind, that the dam broke right there. Right as soon as as soon as you had a court. You know five four John Roberts on the wrong side, um as soon as the court gave up on this stuff, you know you're you're now you know that we're we're coming to the end of this show,
0: well, interestingly enough, I read the decision on that and yeah. also the the concurring yeah. uh, decision by Gorsuch which was spectacular who by, by the way. way, took a rather harsh swipe at Chief Justice yeah. Roberts on that issue, and um, I found it interesting that uh we were chatting earlier about decisions being written or guided by the Clarence Thomas faction. Yeah. So, um, yeah,
1: I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for, you know, it, it's, um, it's like the real leader of the democratic party is Congresswoman Ocasio Cortez, right? You know, it's not Nancy Pelosi. It's not the chairman of the DNC. It's not Chuck Schumer. It's not Bob uh, president like Biden. It's none of those guys. It's Ocasio-Cortez. Same way with the Supreme court, right? We're, we're, we're going to, Spend the next couple of months trying to figure out who the actual chief justice of the Supreme Court is. It's not going to be the guy with the title. It's going to be somebody else. Well,
0: I'll tell you, if it's uh, Justice Thomasy, he's coming out, baby, guns blazing, because this was a pretty good, uh, a, a pretty good first. It was first test.
1: It was. Um, I was. I was. I was pleasantly surprised, which is why I wasted an entire column on the Supreme Court, which is, you know, interesting, but nobody except geeks cares about it.
0: Yeah, except Ben Rhodes, one of our uh, one of the Obama uh, Barker Carnival Barkers on Twitter said this: the first ruling out of the Ill- illegitimate Supreme Court. What you have to remember
1: about Ben Rhodes is is he's the guy who made up the the moderate mullahs in Iran that we were going to somehow buy off with all that cash. That was Ben Rhodes. Um, so I'm not saying he's a liar. I'm just saying on that particular occasion. Um, He his acquaintance with the truth was at a distance.
0: And speaking of uh, former Obama officials, he's one of the few who have not been called in a return to duty in the Biden Harris administration. So, uh, yeah, I don't think that's accidental, right? I don't think that's accidental.
1: He's a toxic personality, I think, Um, and I think the Democrats probably sense that as well. So, and and couldn't get confirmed to anything.
0: Outside. No, but there's a lot of positions that don't need Senate coverage.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, you know, he, he, but but you know, he's at a point in the career where he wants to be an important man.
0: So here's here's what we have: the wind up so far. We had a, a, a an unveiling of the NATSEC team team uh, before Thanksgiving, which included our good friend John Kerry, who will be the gift that continues to give, I believe, uh, as we go yeah, forward here. Let me just
1: stop on John Kerry for a second. So, so Kevin Casey works for S three um said that, you know, and this was kind of an odd thing, I thought he said, well, you know, no matter what else happens, no one's complained about the confidence of any of the, the potential nominees so far. And I'm like, let me just, let me just stop that train right there because John Kerry is, without a doubt, was the most hopeless Secretary of State. And that that includes some real Lulus, right? Um and he was not much of a center. I was. You said this last week that he'd been in government for thirty-seven years, been elected office for thirty-seven years. I thought, how can that possibly be? Um, but there it is, thirty-seven years, and not right
0: once. Ravitas, uh, we did play the clip yes last time about how yeah incredibly confidently, stunningly wrong he was about peace in the Middle East. Yeah. I want to play this clip for you. I want to. We talked a little bit about coronavirus. Um, we all know this is what the, the left's can, where the left's going with this, but I wanted to see if you caught what I caught in this clip about the word that he didn't say.
2: So there are things we know about coronavirus, but there's a lot we don't know about it. And yet we're doing things. We tell people to change, you know, wash their hands, to wear a mask, to shelter at home, uh, to, uh, uh, you know, their whole series of of, of, behavior, of, of Social distancing and so forth, but we 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 haven't turned it into a behavioral debate. Why? Because it is so visibly dangerous. It's killing people now. And climate change is sort of still out there for people, so that the debate is centered more on the behavior. Oh, you can't eat meat, or you can't you know you got to close your window, you got to change your heat, you can't do this or that, rather than focusing on the scientific choices and the expertise that is staring us in the face that says this is even more dangerous than coronavirus. Climate crisis is more dangerous than coronavirus because it will create more pandemics.
0: I, All right, a couple, I, I just... Yikes. <laughs> he tried to not say the word behavioral change. Yeah, man. Very hard, and he actually couldn't. He, he stopped, shifted gears, then he said... And then he... Cut that off. And then he finally broke the dam and said, you know, we we are doing these behavioral changes to stop the virus, but we're not doing these behavioral changes to save the climate. So maybe we need to change gears a little bit and talk about the science. Yeah. You know, it, it, (laughs) I mean,
1: what can you say about it? Right. It, it, to say that everyone's just following along blindly is to paper over what has been a now... Eight month long um, struggle to figure out what Americans are actually willing to tolerate and will will abide by, right? Um, you know, and the, the answer's simple: Will we um, abide by pretend restrictions on Thanksgivings? Sure, because we'll never have any intention of actually doing it, right? So people are like, yeah, I don't care. Um, Will we abide by pretend mask mandates where you have to wear them in restaurants, but only when you're standing up and not when you're sitting down and that, you know, look, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much an average American and my attitude is okay. You want me to do that? You want me to play your silly game? I'll play your silly game, but you know, I don't know too many people who like, this is very serious and I'm going to take it very seriously. And I'm going to, well, there are though, I mean, there there are plenty of them who are
0: happy to follow along blindly. I think we talked about something a little bit earlier today. I kind of vented a little bit and and there's three things going on with coronavirus and climate change. The first is information gaps. I I think that it's clear that um, there's a narrative.
2: Yeah.
0: On each one of these things. Yeah. Okay. I think there's, there are some similarities to the narrative. Um, I think that it would benefit everybody. If we had laid out information in a, in a fairly benign manner and let people make their own decisions and choices about how to mitigate impacts. Okay. Pick either one of these things, insert coronavirus, insert climate change. That's one thing that's missing. In both of these conversations, the second thing that is clearly evident in both of these conversations, to me, is what we're expected to do and what they're yeah. intending to do or not do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, there's, there. You know, Prince Charles and his Prince,
1: John Kerry is a great example, right? John couple, Kerry. Of, couple of, couple of, couple of yachts, a couple of houses, a dozen or so cars as i've i've said this before right if the early christians were no different than the romans um nobody would be a christian now because everyone would look at it and go what's the Amen, point here right? we, so in, in you, the
0: advent season yeah you're going to preach
1: you're going to preach the gospel you better live it um so i i
0: i'm with you there's one same with french laundry gate i'm sorry yeah, to bring that yeah, back yeah, yeah, up no, but french it's laundry, the same same, same, deal. Right? It, same, same. It,
1: there's there's one big difference between climate change and and the coronavirus of course and that is COVID-19 actually has killed people. I mean, you can you can go down there and say, OK, that guy's dead. We can have long conversations about um, at-risk populations and how many and how early and like the, the measures we've taken to avoid it, um, but it's actually killed people. You are going to look hard to find somebody killed by climate change. I'm not gonna say you're not gonna find anybody, but you're gonna have people to look die really all for the enough.
0: time from climate change. It's <laughs> not. It's not. It's an actual fact that people die from climate change. People die when it's too cold I was and they're not say, people die from cold Weather all the time. People die when it's too hot and they don't have air conditioning. Um, but uh, no,
3: the
0: and, and the other difference I mean, they want this to be a trial run yeah, for think... what they would like to do, and this is coming. This is big. Uh, build back uh, better. This is the Great Reset. The these are lockdowns. You know, look, this is going to be we need a climate week, lockdown weekend. We need gasless Sundays or whatever. I think there's a lot of that. I, You know, what
1: what the what makes the elite the elite is, is that they don't really have any sense of the opposition to what they want everybody to do. And, you know, um, you yeah, know, that. Barack Obama, and, you know.
0: Speaking of the elites, I was going to say, you know, <laughs> Barack Obama.
1: Keeping in mind, before before Tom reads this next thing, I want you to remember that President Obama now is the proud owner of a $12 million waterfront uh, um, pile of bricks in Nantucket.
0: Yeah, next door to John Kerry, then, who moved from um, Arthur's um, Vineyard certain to be the, neighbors.
1: Certainly the president would resist the characterization as next door to John Kerry. But, um, and... Doesn't go anywhere without a security detail. Um, that, Don't forget
0: his house in Calorama.
1: Right. That
0: um, that he earned off of his books. many years of building businesses he, he wrote, and running books. payrolls. He wrote books. Big Speaking business. of books. Yeah. Hot off the presses. People are doing this for us so that we don't have to read his new 700 plus page novella about it, who him it's his, um, it's his third autobiography yeah that's <laughs> yeah. like 56 years old he's
1: written three autobiographies and you know i, I was talking with a friend last night i was like you know doug MacArthur like won two wars and only managed to write one biography yeah, in his life it was concise
0: yeah a quick read it was fun Former president from Fox, um, Fox Business, former President Barack Obama, in his latest memoir, criticized Americans for, quote, liking cheap gas and big cars more than they care about the environment. President, president Obama criticized Americans for being Americans. The comments came during a section in Obama's 700-page book, A Promised Land, released earlier in this month. On page 570, way, way deep in... <laughs> The former commander-in-chief of the press conference, he gave more than a month into the oil spill, now considered one of the largest in history, saying his comments did not adequately, adequately express the frustration he truly felt. Yeah, at what? Regarding the transcript now, a decade later, I'm struck by how calm and cogent I sound, Obama (laughs) writes in his book. I'm
1: I'm struck by what a genius I appear to be. Maybe I'm
0: surprised because the transcript doesn't register what I remember feeling at the time or come come close to capturing what I really wanted to say before the assembled White House press corps. Uh, He, you know,
1: the.
0: (laughs) It's. It's so ridiculous sometimes. We're in the worst business in the world. The only way to truly prevent another catastrophe like 2010, Obama says, was to stop drilling entirely. But that wasn't going to happen because at the end of the day, we Americans loved our cheap gas and big cars more than we cared about the environment.
1: Yeah. So I just want to get a couple of things on the record on this one. Um, President Obama from about year three all the way through year eight of his presidency, would routinely cough up rig counts uh, during his speeches.
0: Oh, hold on, hold on. Even better, even better. Let me uh, let me play you the Rice interview, an excerpt from the, the sit-down chat he had at Rice University with, I believe it was James Baker. Oh, brother.
3: I was extraordinarily proud of the Paris Accords because, uh, look, I know, you know... Uh, you know, I, I know we're an oil country, and uh, we need American energy, and and by the way, uh, American energy production. Uh, you wouldn't always know it, uh, uh, but you know, it went up every year I was president. Um, and you know, that whole suddenly America's like the biggest oil producer and the biggest guy, uh, That was me, people. I just wanted you to so. So
1: uh, uh, that's a hell of an admission, isn't it? (laughs) I mean, you know, for those of you who don't know us um, during the Obama administration, we routinely referred to the president as president rig count because he would literally cough up a rig count in every major speech, like I said, from year three to eight. So and here he is. Same, same. Right. And and I, I give the guy full credit he um, did more for for the American oil and gas industry than his predecessor did, or his or his predecessor before that, or his predecessor before that. Anybody named Bush or Clinton, he did better than. No, um, he didn't do
0: better than he they did. did. They did better than, in spite of. No, that's spot. not. Tr- no, no, no.
1: All they all true. the only thing he lagged them in was was um, leasing federal lands.
0: He lagged them in, Who's, in permitting. He who, lagged them in the area that he could. Who signed, the export, could who signed the export? Who signed the export
1: ban? Who signed to get rid of the export ban?
0: He did. It would have. It would have happened. Um, it would have happened. You don't right know that after the election. You don't know that. So you don't know that. Yeah, we do know that, and we do know that he tried to claw into private and state lands using the Clean Air Act, using the Clean Water Act, using yeah. the Endangered Species Act. Yeah. To try to cut into the production that's of those bands, so that's true. But um, but, because, unlike, here's but unlike, why. because But unlike, he, let
1: me just stop you here for ten seconds. Unlike President Bush, he didn't sign the Clean Air Act of 1990. Mm, didn't do that. So, of course, he also. Nor um, did he sign the 2003 or 2007 Energy Acts, which host
0: us on RFS. Of course, he also. Thank you, thank
1: you Bill Kozel. He of course he
0: also said this numerous times on the stump before he took credit.
3: If there's one thing I know about New Hampshire, it's that your uh, political bull detector is pretty keen. It's pretty sharp. You know that we can't just drill our way to (laughs) lower gas prices. There are no quick fixes or silver bullets. If somebody tells you they are, they're not telling you the truth. If we're going to take control of our energy future, which we have to do, if we're going to avoid high gas prices every single year, with a lot of politicians talking every single year but nothing happening, if we're going to avoid that, then we've got to have an all of the above strategy. All right.
0: Now that yes, there's a montage of these. There's yeah, a yeah. montage. No, these. I get and it. Also we don't have the we don't have the energy we can we produce we consume uh 20% but we only produce 2%, right? Yeah. So the this guy I'm completely comfortable with the idea that he
1: wasn't uniformly the friend of the oil and gas industry, but but and let's get no, let's... let's be honest, his predecessor was the one who opened this door and and
2: um, no way his no predecessor
1: way. opened the door and his successor was the one who declared that we are quote addicted to oil. So,
0: you know, before yeah, I am not, I am not. Uh, I know you're not a Bush the apologist Bush's at all. I'm but just we saying we are not letting Obama get take take any credit for anything that happened. I'm well,
1: happy. I'm happy to, I'm happy to, to let in him oil, take whatever in the oil
0: patch. I'm happy to
1: take let him take whatever credit he wants. I mean, I'm you know, I'll just I'll point out that all the legislative damage that was done to us has been done by the Bush family. That's it.
0: Yeah. Well this this is about uh again going back to the point about politicians who uh have a lifestyle that they certainly ignore <laughs> when they I, chastise us about our I mean that's the
1: so, thing about that's the thing about President Obama, right? He he did almost nothing while he was there um for the environment. I mean he talked a lot but he did almost nothing. And now all of a sudden he's Joe environmental guy. And that's you know the the bad thing about these three autobiographies is each one like it's a little bit deeper into the realm of propaganda, right? You know, I mean, a it, little bit. Yeah. I mean,
0: it started yeah, out. Right. It started out on the mountaintop of propaganda. Uh, I mean, it, it's it's you know this guy, but, but he's mean, now. He, everyone says President Trump's a narcissist. Come oh, on, oh, man. don't
1: be ridiculous. He's no more. He's no worse Look, than this here's guy. Here's the deal. The, it's just no joke. Um, You know, when you get a guy looking at a transcript 10 years later and said, hey, I'm amazed at how clear and cogent I was. (laughs) What? Who says stuff
0: like that? It's a put on. Look, the bottom line is Barack Obama. Look, here's the deal. Was not a friend of the oil and gas industry. Period. Full stop. No doubt. No joke. So, but he is getting uh, quite, he's got quite a run at Biden's. uh, economic team right now uh a few names have popped up
1: one brian deese brian deese yeah man the uh the uh climate guy from last around is going to run NEC, which mm-hmm. is which is you know fun
0: yeah who's what's he been doing lately
1: blackrock hanging
0: out at
2: blackrock hey
1: blackrock guy you know it's <laughs> it's more of that more that more of those sunrise hall of justice you know democrat type guys He see you know
0: Brian. Well, he's Brian's, been, getting, he's been, Brian's getting kudos from Bill McKibben, been, and because uh, he officiated his wedding, uh, so he's a good guy. And I'm sorry, McKibben, McKibben LC, officiated a decent wedding. Yeah, that's that's what uh, apparently in a very long defense of him on Twitter to try and offset to, to the, try to hose down the Sunrise all Justice guys, in the, yeah. in the Sunrisers for for BlackRock spending oodles and oodles of money on fossil fuel bets. I.
1: <laughs> You know the, the the tricky thing about being president is you just you got a lot of people you
0: got to make up. But of course, Doug Holziken said in an article in uh, Wall Street Journal that these are good, solid people who will do good work. Doug Holziken, of course, being yeah, you the know, former CBO.
1: That's director. the other thing you got to hate about this business. You know, Jay Timmons said something nice about Janet Yellen all these guys. And, you know, I mean, I get it. They want their calls returned. They want to have meetings. They want everybody to think they're important. But every once in a while, you should just cut loose and say, hey, man, this guy's hopeless.
0: Well, and, I mean, I don't know if Brian
1: is hopeless,
0: but – Well, I'm sure he's – Between Brian – I'm sure he's very
1: competent, but I, I'm not exactly sure he – what he wants is what everybody in America wants. I mean – it's the pretending that there's no honest discussion about what the – what, the, what no, no competitive ideas, right?
0: Well, I mean, there's no – there's nobody who didn't serve in the Obama administration no, that is, hasn't been picked so far. This is so – Except for – I mean, what was Janet Yellen? Wasn't she on – She was in the Federal Reserve. Yeah, she was. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, she, Federal he picked Reserve. her, yeah, right? Yeah, so, a very, very short trip
1: over to – very short trip over to Treasury, right? Four or five blocks. There, there's
0: uh, Jared Bernstein.
1: Yeah, Jared Bernstein. My favorite thing about Jared is is that he's on he's gonna be on a council of economic yeah. advisors, right? Yeah.
0: I think so. Yeah.
1: Um no, which is the by thing. the way the greatest job there. You don't want to be chairman because that actually is like a legit job. You just wanna be one of the one of the other two two counselors because you actually don't do much. Um uh Dr. Bernstein's favorite argument is that the flat price of gasoline over the last really price of gasoline has been flat for 100 years now. But the flat price of gasoline for the last 20 or 30 years is an indication that he t- tuts that people are not taking climate change seriously enough because otherwise the price of gasoline would embed that externality. And I'm just like, so he's he's making my point for me Carbon tax, gas tax, same, same, right? He's thinking yeah, about sure. it the same line I am. Yeah. But it's a different thing to like admit it in public. You're not – I mean you can tell he's an economist because he just says stuff you're not supposed to say.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean it, it's clear that the the whole idea – well, thanks, thank, thanks to Barack Obama, our oil and gas industry flourished. Um, but um, – <laughs> What didn't happen was the 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 and the peak oil crowd's popping back up. By the way, we'll we'll get into that in a little bit. But what ran in the in the interference of their big grand plan was the fact that we have kept gas prices low. Yeah, man, and that you know messes up their whole game because you know the only way that you encourage people to behave differently is when yeah. you have more affordable alternatives and the alternatives that are, are, are alternatives are not more affordable. And even after years and years of being subsidized yeah, I mean, to put downward price, yeah. a, a downward, pull a downward price on them, even after years and years of mandating these products, they're still not as reliable. They're still more expensive. And the, the the result of which is is they've had to resort to, other means to achieve their yeah. goal, I mean, which it, is what this
1: climate it, policy is all about. You know, that's and that's why I don't worry that's why I don't worry about, about the build back better crowd or the great reset or any of that hoorah, because at the at the at the guts of it, um, you have to be in favor of more expensive energy and um you have to be in favor of giving the government lots more money and taxes. And um, you know, one thing that one thing that President Obama couldn't do. One thing that President Bush couldn't do, one thing that the other President Bush couldn't do, one thing President Clinton couldn't do was bump up the federal gas tax, right? Last guy to bump it up was, of course, Ronald Reagan. Um, So it – because people just look at it like, no. It's something they all understand. It's clear. It's obvious. Well, yes yes and
0: no. I mean – People – Voters understand. California had a chance to – to uh, cut their gas tax at a referendum and they they chose to keep their uh, gas right tax. i'm
1: just talking about the federal gas tax now in the in the 37 years whatever it's been since they raised the federal gas tax like 44 states have increased their gas taxes that's different you're building roads everyone's like do i trust do i am i willing to send my money to um, richmond am i willing to send my money to charleston am i willing to send my money to raleigh to get a road, to get a pothole uh, filled. You know, I know there's some of that's going to get skimmed off the top, but I also know I'm going to get my my exit, my pothole, whatever, right? My my turn lane. You send money to Washington. I think most people look at it like, that's, yeah, that's, that's a black that's hole.
0: That's never coming yeah, back. That's not coming back. <laughs> yeah. In fact, we've got studies uh, IER has done to show exactly that. Yeah. Uh, it's just, not a good return on your investment. Even these these carbon tax schemes where you. Um, Send money to Washington, and they gave you a "quote unquote" rebate. Uh, you're only getting thirty cents on course. the dollar for that. So I got to tell you this story at the top of at the top of last transition, which
1: we were both involved in. Uh, uh, a professor who shall remain unnamed, except he's from Rice, and he runs a great big giant energy, um, whatever practice, seminar, or whatever there in, at Rice. Um, you know, wrote me a long and passionate thing about how we need to we needed to advocate in favor of increasing the gas tax. And I was just like, I'm not really – two things. First off, I'm not really sure you understand just who we're actually working for here. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't think Donald Trump's first act is going to be like, all of you blue-collar workers who just voted for me. The first thing I'm going to do is make your 150s more expensive to operate. No. Um, to, you know. And then just, the second thing I'm like, what do you make of the fact that states like raise it, feds don't? He's like, "Uh, there's just too much propaganda associated yeah, with that. Like- yeah, there's always too much propaganda.
0: Like, there's too much propaganda. If only we made it more clear what our plans were. <laughs> if, if only the the conservatives didn't, like, obfuscate what we were trying to do. It, right? it just- it's always – whenever the, the – Left fails. It's for because they didn't communicate it quite effectively it, enough. It, it just right? cracks
1: me up. I mean, it's propaganda. It's propaganda yeah. because Americans couldn't be smart enough it, to figure out that that money's going away and not coming back.
0: It reminded me of my phone call. I was honored to take with Secretary Schultz, who pitched me on the Climate Leadership Council deal, and uh, made a very strong case for how um, this is this could be easily done by. All we need to do is codify into law that all the regulations will go away in exchange <laughs> for the carbon tax. And I asked the secretary with all due respect, I said, Did you have you yeah, managed man. any major say, legislation where, where's that at, at work? Capitol
1: Hill? Seriously, seriously. Because
0: how can you you introduce a bill? Does it end up looking like the bill when it was yeah. introduced? It was shocking to me. Um uh, it was it was basically the pitch, but you know, I mean, if look, look, we run through these yelling, you run through these folks. I will say this: they were they were closet carbon taxers the first go round. Yeah, man. But then they had to go make a little bit of money and sit on boards and do a bunch of stuff, and so now they're sort of bent been overtly for a carbon tax. And if any of these folks get in, um, absent Republican controlled Senate. They yeah. could actually take a run at, yeah, at, at doing one through reconciliation, yeah. or sure. f- perhaps straight up if they if they get rid of the legislative filibuster. I encourage them to. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'd lo- I I'd love ideally, that vote. we even if McConnell keeps the Senate, he should tell them, "I want to vote on your carbon I tax." Vote.
1: We should start voting on stuff. That's a great thing. You know, make these put these guys on record. One one last thought on the Climate Leadership Council um, to give you an idea of how leaders act. Um, Climate Leadership Council is going around to uh, clients of pr firms in town and alerting them that the pr firms work for uh, energy companies fossil fuel companies and putting the squeeze on them to fire their pr lobbying firms to do you know because they want to isolate um, they want to isolate those firms
0: oh but i thought this was a marketplace of
1: ideas sure man unless you unless you you know, unless by marketplace of ideas, you mean the Gambino crime family here in D.C. I mean, that's exactly – they're running a protection racket. It's – its the CLC has gone from being yeah, a minor annoyance to being bad, bad. And, you know, Secretary Schultz is
0: uh, – He doesn't know that that's going on. Of course
1: not. He doesn't. He's, he's,
0: sitting he's in his like 900 in years old. Stanford, but uh, Stand, it yeah. just – I felt like – it was just it was an honor to talk to him, and it was nice to be able to explain to him that it's not how it's going to happen. Uh, but you know, they they basically paid him a bunch of money to call me and try to convince me otherwise.
1: It 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 it's a testament you got to be careful who you pick as personnel. Way back in the Reagan administration, everybody warned the president about picking him. He did it anyway. Uh,
0: one other pick who has sort of uh, engendered some. Um, Speaking of presidential personnel picks. Hostility (laughs) is the current president of the Center for American Progress, uh, who's been tapped by the uh, Obama. I almost said the Obama. (laughs) I'm going to do that a lot, I think. Uh, Me too. uh, Tapped by the the Biden-Harris Office of Transitional Transitions to run the CEA.
1: No. No, no, it's run OMB. OMB. Sorry
0: about that. Um, So, Neera Tandon. Yeah, man. Who has um, basically been the the sort of caretaker for for Cap whenever John Podesta went in and out of gigs. Sort of they just switch roles here and there. She's coming under fire from both the left and some, some Republicans on the Hill. Yeah,
1: I don't understand. You know, the Republicans don't like her because she said mean things about them. Yeah, um, she said mean tweets. Which is... She had mean tweets. But then she deleted her tweets. I don't know if you saw this. She deleted yeah, like a thousand tweets. plus. plus. Yeah, Sounds like,
0: sort of like some New York Times reporter recently, right? I'm
1: right. like, I'm why mentioned. don't you just own it, right? I mean... It, I, I'm, you know, I'm the same way. It's I'm like... Like, <laughs> it, 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 like, somehow, like, nobody could go find it. They haven't been screenshotted. Senators don't the way remember. Wayback Machine
0: exists, people. I'm like...
1: Your record is your record. Yeah, man. Just... It's just a stamp. You know, the Greeks had a... The Greeks had a – the ancient Greeks had a very clear theory about the world and that was that once a word is spoken, uh, it cannot be retrieved, right? So their their attitude was be careful when you speak. Um, I, I don't understand why the republicans are getting in the way here because this could be an epic internal brawl inside the democratic party, right? near your uh, – Ms. Tanden represents um, – what the party was about ten years ago, right? Um, you know, progressive. But let's not be crazy. We're all still here to make money, right? Um, and the Sunrise and the Hall of Justice guys, um, or League of Justice, if you prefer, Justice League, um, Democrats. You know, they're 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 serious about you know burning the burning the house down, um, and it could be a great fight. And Republicans could just sit there and look at you know if I was well, I, th- I think if I was Mitch McConnell, I would seriously look at Chuck Sherman and say, "Know what? Bring her up. Why don't you just, not you just let me know how many votes you got in your caucus, and I'll figure out what I'm going to do with my caucus? You know, just why, why get in the way of these people when they're when they're you know lighting themselves on fire?
0: Well, I th- there's a couple things going on here. One, I mean, this the Center for American Progress is a is a corporate vacuum cleaner it's a
1: front group for right for corporate, I mean, yeah it's greenwashing and like it, that. it's
0: it's a it's a sort of a rest home for all these folks that have been sitting around waiting for another shot at like you know fundamentally transforming america um but not they sit not, around but not,
1: but not so fundamentally that they can't make a bunch of money of on course yeah, yeah
0: and at omb she would be basically um a pretty significant position to
1: it, you know the truth
0: is assess matters. what the the these corporate so, interests have been wanting to sort of see out of a yeah. most progressive administration in history and and respond accordingly so you know so
1: okay russ vaught is uh, russ vote is currently the um OMB director and he is a great great human being um conservative down to his core um and and i have tremendous respect for him and just like him as a person right um I'm less. I'm much less certain about how important OMB is than I than I was a year ago, two years ago. I, I, you know, it 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 is it is it well, is it, it is subject to an enormous amount of cross pressure and winds up at the end of the day being um, mostly an order taker. Um, and and that's tough to hear, but I think yeah. Probably the but
0: truth. in this town, and not not interrupting, just adding eh, to the conversation, eh. in this town, a return to normalcy. Yeah. Which everyone wants yeah. means process. Yeah. What does process mean? Yeah. Process means I get my meetings. I report back to my clients what they said. And as mm-hmm. you said, the wise Chris Horner, I get, I got you the 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 the, the, se- le- the second, second least worst outcome. worst outcome. Yeah. And that is a that is what you will see yeah. in the Biden administration. You yeah. will see a lot of people being very happy. Which is why you're getting all these lofty quotes. Oh yeah, um, yeah
1: everybody wants their meetings. The thing about the thing about um, Nira is I don't understand why why the Republicans are getting in the way of the story. And, and then, that's
0: the point. Yeah, and then the that second was going towards. Yeah.
1: the second thing that I that I'm having trouble with is, I think there's a non-zero chance that that, that the president-elect is putting her out there, putting Ms. Tandon out there with an express intent. Express understanding. She's going to get beaten in a confirmation thing, and it's going to take a lot of the oxygen and and vinegar out of the um, the Senate Republicans. Right? Um, they're going to have it. They're going to have a scalp, and they're going to be like, okay, we'll, we'll let you get through the rest of them. I, yeah, she's the throw pick. Yeah, she. Yeah. She. To Josh, Josh Holmes. Holmes meets. Josh Holmes said it right. Right. She's a um, sacrifice to the gods
0: of confirmation, which is funny. Yeah, I, but I do think that this conf- whole confirmation process is going to be different again you know first time since grover cleveland i think that the democratic nominee didn't have a, 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 yeah. a democrat senate so to me i look at this whole process as a way for the republicans to lay down their markers and where they're going to lay down their markers right so when the when the epa pick gets go gets over mm-hmm. to epw they can lay down their markers. When the ENR pick gets gets a whack at, you know, whoever it is, DOE and interior, Yeah. then they can lay down their markers. And it, it's a good way to sort of ha, you know have that conversation about fracking bans on federal lands, for example, and stuff like that. So there will be picks that that get pretty harsh treatment. Oh yeah, I'm by, sure by people are gonna I'm I'm sure get it. Well, <laughs> and, and quite honestly, you know, <laughs> I don't understand why the republicans need to lay you know start throwing stuff out there on her right now yeah joe i mean um bernie sanders let bernie sanders bur- blow her up yeah. right I, and I, I, let's hold back and let let these guys go after each other for a little
1: bit well, you know the republicans are learning how to do stuff you know i'll, I'll uh there's one other thing that 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 confirmation is going to be about right it's going to be about um Republican competitors in twenty twenty four. Yes. Teeing themselves up. I'm gonna read this thing from Josh Hawley, right, which is a senator from Missouri who's thinking about running for president, no doubt, but has yet to cough up an essay for me for the Federalists. Um Rediscovering the Constitution in Washington
0: Times, despite having promised he would. We'll put uh, the more recent versions of that in the show notes, along with your excellent column on Thanksgiving, by the way. Thank you, Josh. So Senator
1: Hawley says, quote, my concerns, as I've said before, about what I'm seeing for Vice President Biden is the people who he wants to be in his cabinet are, and here's the good part, all a bunch of corporate liberals and warmongers. So I'd like to see him break the mold. Um so
0: can I uh, can I <laughs> throw out one from another sure, presidential sure, wannabe heck who yeah. is a senator from Florida, one of the likely two, possibly three Floridians who are going to run in 2024? Biden's cabinet picks went to Ivy League schools, have strong resumes, attend all the right conferences and will be polite and orderly caretakers of America's decline. I support American greatness and have no interest in returning to the normal. That left us dependent on China, that's Senator Marco Rubio. I had a reporter call me this morning from Politico, um, and I actually did talk to Politico, which is not, you know, too often. But uh, it was interesting because they were uh, asking what big legislative items are going to be, you know – available in this in this new climate of unity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um I reminded him there's a midterm in 2 years and people are already jockeying to run for president in 4. And he asked, "Well, what about Mitch McConnell?" I said, "Mitch McConnell doesn't have to run again for 6 years." And Mitch McConnell is as we've talked about in the past, very closely tuned into his conference. And if his conference wants to fight Mitch McConnell will be happy to fight. And this is what is going to happen, especially that the fact that uh, two more races were called for the Republicans this week, California's Mike Garcia and uh, New York, uh, John Katko. And it looks like uh, there's going to be pretty close to a six to seven vote. I think it's going to wind up 222 to 213. So we're, we're talking, you know, uh, McCarthy can can smell the the speaker's office, the, yeah. the speaker's wing of the Capitol in, in the midterms. Well, wow,
1: two things about that, right? I'm not sure I'd, if I was him. First off, don't count your chickens before they hatch, right? And second, of off, course, second off, in the event that the Republicans take the House, um, there's going to be um, I, I I suspect there's going to be a contest for speaker. Um,
0: well, I hope there's a contest for speaker. Yeah, uh, but you know how that goes, right? There's no. a lot of there's a lot of advantage to incumbency in leadership races. They're like high school, uh, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I,
0: I, class president type races. I don't think it's going to be a lot of people. I think it's going
1: to be two people, maybe three people. But that so that that's thing too. And then um, th- this speaker's thing that's going to happen on on January fifth or sixth. I can't fifth, I guess. Um, right, that's a call. You got to walk down into the well after you take your oath. You walk down into the well and you call out who you want to have be speaker. She already had 15 people identify names other than her um, and only – I think 10 of those guys are coming back. 10 or 11 of those guys are coming back. So you know, you just do the math. She's probably sitting at about 211 Democrats who are going to call her name out. Do you get 213 Republicans who are going to call out McCarthy's name? She's got to figure out a way to get to 213. Otherwise, I'm not sure what happens. Yeah. You
0: know, there's a lot of not sure what's going to happen going on. And I'm usually the one who, like, would say, yeah, this is interesting. But –
1: yeah. Usually she's, everyone
0: she's, falls in line.
1: Yeah. She's going to make it she somebody.
0: Could, she's going to give someone this and give someone that. The great thing about the Democrats is they create these positions out of cloth, yeah, out of whole cloth. She's going to gonna like, wind up. She's going to wind yeah, up. The at, deputy deputy to the deputy's deputy. Right. So. Right. She's going to wind up with 214. I think that's right. Yeah.
1: But I think there's going to be a lot of blood on the floor and on the way on the run up to that. I'm kind of it's going to be interesting right i could easily see um, the actual leader of the democrats congresswoman kezia cortez um deciding to make a point here i'm not sure what how yeah. but i could see her deciding now's a moment to make yeah, a point yeah well i
0: mean she was not afraid to make a point even though a lot of times she's you know yeah, man. outlandish and out there i mean the other day she was spouting off about how uh, it you know it's people it's the movement not the money yeah. uh yet <laughs> the she, democrats outspent the republicans 65 percent to 35 percent in this cycle had more money than they could possibly know what to do with and and by and large got trounced this well, election she, she she
1: was right so, it's it's the it's the people not the money but she just <laughs> she she meant she's on the wrong side right
0: right right that's just it's awesome how you can and, just spend reality saw, and, I, I and saw go it. up on like these social media accounts and Spout off some fake fake stuff and then not have the little tag underneath. Well, to give you an so, idea of
1: how it's the people, not the money. Um, Wall Street um, gave about five to one in favor of the Democrats this cycle. Yeah. So any any anybody tells you, "Hey, man, Republicans are owned by Wall Street," you might want to just uh,
0: Wall Street, put, put big that. business, big tech. We've talked about this. We are in the middle of a churn here, of who's a Republican and who's a Democrat. Yeah. We are in that process right now, yeah. and so. For both sides, it's 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 a mess. It's an ugly, ugly mess. Um, look, there's not going to be. This is all predicated on something that happens on January fifth, which we'll talk to. We'll talk about it at the end here. Um, there's no unity. Uh, there's no legislation that's happening, uh, as Mike just discussed. Nancy Pelosi, if she gets the speaker's gavel, she will have zero room. Yeah, man. to wiggle around and pass all this grandiose transformation stuff. Um, it, it looks like the Republicans in the Senate are are interested in fighting, um, which is a very very comfortable position for a lot of these folks. There'll be a deal here, a deal there, but we are not talking, you know, uh, uh, this is not going to be a legislative cycle. So what it means is is that the Obama staff that's coming back, Who's had you know a couple of years making money, you know, doing the corporate thing and everything else, are going to have to do what? They're going to have to do what they tried to do in the second term. Yeah,
1: wind their way through through regulations and executive orders as best they can. It, it if you were around for the last three years of the Obama administration, you know that it was a period of nothing. Yeah, I mean it was it just was, a big well, bag of like bad ideas that weren't going anywhere, um,
0: and that they couldn't get through the courts. And yeah, then, unfortunately, we had to. Like gum it up. I mean, we had to be there, like fighting this stuff. And, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I to mean, working against it, getting the AGs on
2: board. It's a, You
0: know all that stuff. It's a silly ass way for grown people to make
1: a living, but right. there it is. Yeah.
0: But um, the difference this time is we're older and we're we are broken older down. and more broken <laughs>
1: down. <laughs> but.
0: But <laughs> not for us. <laughs> the difference this time is that they don't have. They even have less wiggle room on the regulatory side.
1: Yeah, the the courts because are, the
0: yeah. Clarence Thomas court, the Gorsuch court, the ACB court, does not have a lot of of.
1: I've been trying to I've been trying to think of an easy way to explain this and I can't. But if you think, you know, this court's gonna go after Chevron deference right away, an hour deference, A U E R hour deference right away. Um and th- those those two deferences are essentially courts saying, hey, agencies can both uh, interpret their organic statutes. Um we're gonna give them deference with respect to that, and they can return they can um we're gonna give them deference with respect to their own interpretation of their own regulations and guidance. You can imagine circumstances in which both of those serve to expand the regulatory state pretty significantly, right? Um, it's a little bit like leaving your kid in charge of what their uh, tuition allowance. Sorry, um, I have older kids. Like A little bit like leaving your kid in charge of what their allowance should be, right? Um, that's going to go away. And that means courts are going to start cutting open agency interpretations all over the place. I I think it's not just that um, regulatory actions we haven't seen are going to be um, uh, complicated by court involvement. I think long established regulatory interpretations are going to be reopened and re-looked at. Every, Every lawyer who's ever lost a case in court the second they bounce chevron is going to think Aha, i got another run at this i got another run at this I, it, I got another billion dollars of be billings. a long
0: time before congress uh actually functions as it's supposed to uh, but this will <laughs> yeah, like... move them in that direction for for lack of for anything is that that they will not want to just give it I give think... it to the lawyers in the courts in the meantime it's not going to be just so simple as to undo Trump and then just start redoing, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, redoing Obama's third term because that's what we're looking yeah. at here. Yeah, it, it's it's going to take longer because they can't, for example, um, reinstate the creating poverty plan which they called the Clean Power Plan because it was already stayed. Yeah, it, by the previous Supreme Court, which was even yeah and, the, and more you know, narrow the, than it currently
1: and, and is. And the tar, you know, the funny thing is, you know, Heraclitus, Greek philosopher, right? 500 years before Christ, you know, Heraclitus said, hey, you can't step in the same river twice. And theory was time moves on, things move on. Well, clean power plan is a perfect example. Clean power plan was directed at utilities, at coal burning power plants, utilities, right? Yeah. Well, there aren't any left. Right. Exactly. Um, I think we got 11% a couple, I think we're, we're down to. We got, I, I, thought of we a hundred, I thought we had a couple of hundred. Um, I thought we had a couple of.
0: Coal fired generation.
1: Yeah. I thought we had a couple hundred gigawatts. Might be less than that now. But anyway. Long story short, you're going to come up with something different. You're going to have to figure out some new way in. You're going to have to blow up your gas plants. Blah 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 blah. All that other stuff, right? So the world moves on.
0: Yeah. Well, the irony is, is John Kerry, <clears throat> John Kerry wants to get us back into the Paris Agreement right away, and in yeah. order to do that, the the developed, the quote unquote developing nations have basically said already, well, you're you would be in tr- on track for your re up. So, in order for the privilege of you coming back into this agreement, you're going to have to double your commitments. Sure, right? And they'll happily sure. run run to do that. What are they? How are they going to? I mean, Congress isn't going to give them any money. No. And how are they going to meet that on the regulatory side? You know, it, right. It, when it, when it, their baseline is already lower yeah. than when they started, because we're actually doing better on CO2 it, emissions it, it, thanks to hydraulic fracturing.
1: It. It. You know, I'm. Um... I'm looking forward to the Biden administration explaining that because um, I I especially when the Chinese are still thinking 2030, you know, yeah, we might tell you we might tell you our, our future plans around 2030. I mean, I know everyone's like, "Oh, the Chinese have a carbon market, and Chinese have this, Chinese have that. Chinese are you building, China is building coal plants <laughs> like 1000 gigawatts worth of coal plants are under under construction and storage for oil Oil terminal store, you know, oil terminal uh, storage terminals. Um, like there's no tomorrow. There are two. They are not. Are two, they are not
0: planning for. They are not planning for a future of solar and wind. There are two excellent analysis pieces at IER, which we will include in the in the notes about both of those subjects.
1: Yeah. So, so I I we're gonna have an, This it's insane that we still have and we're having this conversation 30 years later. We're we're gonna have the same conversation we had uh, with Bird Hegel. Bert Hegel can 90, two three? Oh
0: gosh, what year? I thought it was later mid-year, like ninety-five.
1: Maybe. Uh, yeah. Whatever. When we were young and good looking. Yes. Yeah, uh, it but it's exactly the same At conversation. Why in the world would you hand a bunch of advantages to your global competitors? And climate. And, climate change. And global perhaps even global adversaries. If there is a guy who can who can make it sound good. It, it's John Kerry. <laughs> yes. you know, they, we're going to ship a bunch of cash to the mullahs in Iran and everything's going to go well. You know who he needs to help him
0: sell this? Ben, ben Rhodes. Rhodes. <laughs> <laughs> so I uh, wrote a piece uh, prior to the election that uh, talked about Biden's energy plan. and And I'll just pull from it and we'll put the whole thing in the show notes. Former VP presidential nominee is setting aside $2 trillion for his clean energy plan that would replace, and I don't like the term, but fossil fuels on the electric grid by 2035, 10 years earlier than California's state goal. California currently requires 60% of its generation to come from renewable energy by 2030. And 100% from zero carbon sources by 45. So California's goal for California is less aggressive than Biden's goal, quote unquote, for the nation. Keep in mind, none of these folks will be around in 2035 and 2045 to pick up the pieces. But I bring that up for context because. um, Do you not think Joe Biden's going to live to 92? He may very well, but he won't be the president at that time. He won't be responsible for what happens. S and P global, uh, ran a story on a report that, um, Ernie Moniz is involved with our former U S energy secretary, who, uh, wh- is also the subject of, of, of he, protests he, from the, from the host- justice hall, hostility the hall of
1: justice hostility from the justice league,
0: a, <laughs> uh, um, who, uh, I don't know what outfit it came out of, uh, but it was basically was released before Thanksgiving. Yeah, the study. Net zero greenhouse gases in New England will need an incremental 93 gigawatts of generation capacity by 2050, which experts said will require significant, quote unquote, market design changes. Yeah. Okay, want to r- want to run through that real quick.
1: Yeah, I mean the the study. First off, for, it, it, for those of you who haven't seen it, you should read it or at least the executive summary. It's spectacular, right? Er, Ernie's crew, at Energy Futures, I think. Anyway,
0: Energy and Environmental Economics, E three. Oh, E three. Yeah. Okay. So,
1: so and they, and the advisory council on it was the the advising council on the study was interesting too, right? It was it was guys from the Generation Crew in um, New England. It was. Um, you know some some usual suspects and it was um uh Armand Cohen from the Clean Air Task Force I think um a- anyway long story short this is in the study uh, to electrify New England um to electrify New England entirely you would need uh 60 to 90% more generation electricity generation to do it in any kind of cost effective way you would need to have a lot more gas plants than you have now None of the nuclear capacity could come offline. You're going to need eight gigawatts of imports. I think they're online for like a gig and a half or two gigs now. So you need eight eight gigs of imports and lots more transmission lines. Um, There's one other part about it I couldn't remember. But long story short is it will require you to essentially double the infrastructure, the energy infrastructure you have in New England now in – uh nine years or 14 years right this is infrastructure it's taken 50 60 years to build um, so plus to feed new gas plants you would of course need new gas
0: pipelines yeah, but also you need pipelines for ccs too because where are you right. going to put the carbon right so so <laughs> i mean the, the
1: the study the study doesn't come right out and say you guys are smoking crack but it pretty much comes out and says you guys are smoking crack, which is I guarantee you why um Secretary Moniz is not getting a job in the Biden <laughs> administration. Yeah.
0: Because he's sprinkling a little real and um, uh, maybe perhaps unwittingly sprinkling a little bit of reality. Yeah, the reality
1: the reality the fairy situation. The reality fairy showed up and, and sprinkled reality dust all over it. It was it's a great and epic story, and I I recommend it. Uh, uh, I recommend that's... you take it to 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 um, pull the scope back nationwide, multiply all that by fifteen. And try to imagine what it'd be like in the next fifteen years.
0: Well, and the other thing is, like for example, in California, when there wasn't enough power produced, they 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 usually can get away with importing their electricity from their neighboring states. And when their neighboring states needed the electricity, they said no thanks, can't sell it to you right now because we need it. And that is ultimately what has to happen in these clusters as well right i mean mm-hmm. you got to pull the power from somewhere when you're not generating it if if the entire country starts moving in this direction where are they going to pull the power from it, it, when they need it guess where out of your house because they're going to shut your lights off
1: well it it's you know the the thing in New England is, right, I think the gig and a half, two gigs of imports they have now coming down from Canada, from Hydro-Quebec, right? That's that's um, that's
0: the other point. The,
1: the – um, as those of you who know New England knows, that the the two – those two lines, right, have been subject to an enormous amount of conflict and confusion and mayhem. I'm trying to think what it would be like to try to build six more – into New England, the two lines we're working on, we're working on for ten years now, almost. Um, so the idea you're going to build six more in ten years, or fifteen years, or forty years, is ridiculous.
0: They're going to need, uh, I think it says here, they're going to need twenty two gigs of offshore wind. Yeah, and, and so get that past the, the sure, nimby's. Let's yeah, also unlike, not sure, forget whatever. that there's this thing called NEPA yeah. that exists out there that they don't want. They don't want expedited. You know, NEPA. It, um, and, and nobody no, – uh, Analysis.
1: And nobody – you know, the funny thing is nobody has picked this study up and run with it. Um, it is a standing rebuke to the idea that you're going to be able to go net zero anytime in the near future. Yeah,
0: well, this, but this is the, where they're headed uh, rhetorically because they mm. can't sell punitive. They can't sell, as you said, gas taxes. They can't sell carbon taxes. They can't sell Yeah, – It's got to be aspirational. Know, Right, and that's where we're, we're 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 at aspirational now, and
1: you know <laughs> we're at asinine. Well, I think the difference between the sunrise guys and everybody else is everybody else gets the joke. Sunrise guys think this is serious. I mean, everybody else is like, we're just talking here, man. Occasionally we're making economic bets on this. Guys like these, right? Occasion we're making economic bets. We don't actually mean this is going to happen in ten years. Might happen in
0: fifty or hundred, but ten. Yeah. yeah, Well, question the need of it need having to have to happen at all without market forces having it, it, it happen, it, right? The,
1: you know, the Roger Pilkey, Jr., right, who is a professor out at Colorado, not someone I agree with all the time, but super smart. Yeah, we're going to put
0: his Twitter uh, account in, in the show notes as well. People should follow they it. Should,
1: you should follow Pilkey. He's a very interesting guy. He's got an iron law of climate, one with which I agree, um, and that is – that everybody's happy to do something about the climate until it starts to cost them money. And then they're no. They turn into a no right away. And um, he's totally right. You know, he's completely and utterly right. Everybody's like, sure, I'll recycle. Sure, I'll turn the lights off. But if you want me to modify behavior or buy a smaller car,
0: forget it. It's what Carrie, with the, where I played the Carrie clip. Yeah, man. Right? And, and, because when it comes down to it, it's like. You know,
1: and Pilkey is, Pilkey is a. Uh, a hard-headed realist, right? He's like, there's just zero evidence that suggests anybody's going to do anything. All right, how are we wrapping it up today?
0: So in the spirit of unity, which seems to be going well, and uh, before, it, we, do, and, and before we do move, and before we transition out, yes. I, do, I do say I do want, I want to make a plea to the uh, Obama, I mean, to the Biden, <laughs> Biden, Biden guys, guys. Please nominate Mary Nichols for EPA administrator, please, from California. Let me
1: make the let me make a call right now. I'm going to tell you that they are going to nominate Mustafa Santiago Ali. You heard it here first, ladies okay. and gentlemen.
0: That's your pick. My pick is Mary Nichols. You want Mary? Nichols. I want Mary. So Mary Nichols do I. So desperately, <laughs> it would just have enormous amounts of fun with that, and at least in the confirmation hearings, it would. It would be so. I've been jousting with Mary for 25 years,
1: right? Since she was AA for air and radiation, I was working in Virginia. Um, Super smart, super Worthy tough. adversary. super tough um, but not
0: bulletproof, right you oh, no. she she, she, she can be bested, work, right There's lots to work with there. okay, so in the spirit of unity, I would like to play uh, as our as our um, clip of the day Joe Biden, the president office trans- transitional Thanksgiving message to us all.
4: In this Thanksgiving. In anticipation of all the Thanksgivings to come. Let's dream again. Let's commit let's commit ourselves to thinking not only of ourselves, but of others as well. For if we care for one another, if we open our arms rather than brandishing our fists, we can, with the help of God, heal. And if we do, and I'm sure we can, we can proclaim pers- the promised, with the, the promised who wrote. Promise. These following words. The Lord is my strength and my shield. And with my song, I give thanks to him. I give thanks now for you, for the trust you have placed in me. Together, we'll lift our voices in the coming months and years, and our song shall be of lives saved, breaches repaired, a nation made whole again.
0: Wonderful words from our palmists. Uh, amen.
1: I don't know who a palmist is, but Dick, whatever. <laughs> Peace
0: out. That is a wrap. <laughs> Until next time, this is Tom and Mike saying yeah. unity. <laughs>